a Podcast One production. This is Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. Today we're going to talk about the mess that is Afghanistan. In the recent weeks we've seen terrorist groups running amok over there, two significantly bad bombings. A lot of civilians have been hurt and killed. Keith, when the coalition America, Australia, the UK went into Afghanistan all those years ago after Osama bin Laden um, orchestrated the bombings of the Twin Towers, is this what they envisaged for the country? No, not at all. So they went into Afghanistan on um, uh, after the 9-11 terrorist attacks in 2001. And um, they had previously asked the Taliban government to hand over bin Laden. They refused to do so. So the Americans and others invaded the country to get him. Just how hard they did try to get him is open to debate. My preference would have been for him to have been captured, brought back to the West and put on trial. But he might have revealed too much, which would have been an embarrassment, particularly to the Americans, because after all, he had been on the CIA payroll at one point. Um, Anyway, the Americans didn't manage to get him. He fled over the border into Pakistan and then spent the rest of his life living in retirement down the road from the Pakistani military academy. Meanwhile, the Americans and others had been bogged down for 17 years in Afghanistan. This is the longest war the Americans have ever fought. And there is no sign of the Americans being able to leave. No American president wants to be branded as the president that lost in Afghanistan. Now, Donald Trump, when he was running for election in 2016, promised to get out of Afghanistan. He still hasn't. He hints that he might want to do so, but he still hasn't actually got out of Afghanistan. He does not want to be remembered as the person who handed Afghanistan over to the fundamentalist Muslims. So we we still have there several thousand American troops. We've got 300 Australian troops there, still deployed there. Um, But everybody agrees that it's a stalemate. So they went into Afghanistan, as you said, to get Osama bin Laden. That seems like a very narrow reason to go into Afghanistan. What were the broader reasons for it? Why did Australia and the UK agree to that? It was an attack, after all, just on America's soil, really. Exactly. The Australians went in for a number of reasons. One was to honour the ANZUS Treaty, so it's the Australian-New Zealand-US Defence Treaty, which created in the early 1950s. Um, So they went in to honour that treaty. Now, there's some debate as to whether Australia should have gone in because is that really part of the ANZUS operational area? But John Howard said that it was, therefore Australia went in. And also at the end of the day, Australians take orders from Washington. The Americans wanted the Australians there, therefore the Australians went in. Another reason was to deny al-Qaeda the opportunity to deploy in Afghanistan. So I need to say a little about al-Qaeda. So al-Qaeda, meaning the base, um, was set up by bin Laden at the time when the Soviets were occupying Afghanistan, right? So the Soviet Union moved in in 1979 and stayed for about a decade. And the Americans supported the what were called the Mujahideen, the freedom fighters. And so they continued with American support and bin Laden received American support for running his base. And so that's how he ended up on the CIA payroll. And then... Um, uh, Mikhail Gorbachev in 1989 figured, look, we can't win here and we're just importing an opium drug problem back into the Soviet Union. We're going to get out. So 
the Soviets got out, although they continued to support their puppet dictator in Afghanistan. Uh, but overall, the uh, warlords were too much for him and he ended up uh, being tortured and mutilated and what was left of him was hanging on a lamppost in Kabul. Um, and at that point, the country falls into complete chaos and a group of young religious scholars, Taliban, Sikha or scholar, a Taliban, uh, said, we will take over the country and we will run it on strict Sharia lines. So music was banned, dancing was banned, no televisions. They used to hang televisions up in the trees to shoot them. Um, so this was the really strict line. Also, of course, cutting off hands for theft and that sort of thing. But they did bring order to the country. And so the Taliban, particularly under Mullah Omar, maintained order in Afghanistan. And so um, they continued to run the country and receive American assistance because they had a very strict policy on drugs. In those days, they didn't approve of opium being grown. The Americans financed uh, uh, the Taliban through um, their anti-drug policies. And also worth noting as well that Afghanistan is one of the biggest poppy growers in the world. Absolutely. And so, and then opium becomes heroin. Exactly. So the Taliban then came to host Al-Qaeda. So here, you, here we're already beginning to talk about two different groups now. So you've got Al-Qaeda, which is this Arab terrorist attack mainly supported by Saudi Arabia, and you have the Taliban, who are ethnic Pashtuns. Uh, so then the Pashtun territory is across the border of Afghanistan and Pakistan. It was the British who drew the line dividing the country. But as far as the Pashtuns are concerned, it's one united territory. And so the Pashtuns uh, who went into the uh, Taliban, they continued to run that territory. They invited Osama bin Laden into their territory. He then, we assume, uh, did the mastermind of the 9-11 attacks in the United States. And so the Americans said to the Taliban, hand over your guest, Osama bin Laden, and they refused to do that. So a second reason why Australia is in Afghanistan is to deny al-Qaeda the opportunity to deploy in Afghanistan. Of course, what we've seen for 17 years is we failed to do that. And, and al-Qaeda is as active as ever as it was before 2001. So how realistic. I mean, just when you think about, I remember the, the um, you know, comedians at the time having a field day with the fact that the Americans couldn't get Osama bin Laden because they're like, how far can an old man on a donkey actually get? <laughs> but really, I mean, Afghanistan's a very hostile sort of landscape, huge mountains and lots of caves and cave networks. Is that what we're talking about? Was Osama bin Laden hiding in that kind of landscape Absolutely. all that time? All that time, at least for two years until he fled over the border into Pakistan. And um, it's, it's a really rugged territory. Um, now, some of our older listeners uh, as youngsters may well have gone through uh, Afghanistan in the 60s and 70s. My mum, <laughs> in a combi. <laughs> in a combi, exactly. Smoke some of the local product. I'm not <laughs> suggesting your mother did that. I'm sure she's a clean living woman. And the Afghanis um, manifest the traditional Islamic hospitality. You're welcome as a guest, but they don't want you to be there as an occupier. When you look back at Afghanistan, you see the tragedy of the decision makers having no sense of history. So the Americans, OK, they can be forgiven for being stupid. This is their first time in Afghanistan. 
Um, but the Soviets, as Russians, had been in Afghanistan before, very unhappily during the Tsarist period, and the British have had three Afghan wars. So this is the thing, right, Keith? So no one's ever really won against no, Afghanistan. So why? Go- why go in there? <laughs> exactly. You have to go back to Alexander the Great before you come across anybody who's able to do any damage against Afghanistan. Um, so why did they go in? Well, they went in to get bin Laden. Now, people challenge me. Um, and it's in my book on terrorism, what would you do if you were after um, al-Qaeda and bin Laden? I would have, one, not bombed Afghanistan. Remember, Afghanistan was in no way involved in the 9-11 terrorist attacks, right? So Afghanistan uh, had nobody involved. The the hijackers were mainly from Saudi Arabia, which is an American ally, but we can't talk about that, right? So so no Afghanis involved. I would have said we've got to look at how we build up our links with the Afghanis. Instead of the, the phrase I use, instead of dropping bombs, we drop butter. We have a charm offensive. We try to win them over to the niceness of the... Americans. Secondly, I would offer a really big reward for Osama bin Laden. Um, not not the 50 million that the Americans offered. I'd go for a billion dollars and the promise of citizenship anywhere in the world. The Americans could negotiate that. So for a billion dollars, which of course seemed outrageous when I first made that proposal in 2001, it's actually quite cheap compared with how much is now being spent each year in Afghanistan. But for that sum of money, a billion dollars, the Tajik mafia would get involved. They'd come in over the border. So you'd have the Tajiks, the Uzbeks, the people who actually understand that country and that part of the world. They would have come in and started looking for him. And it's what you used to get in the old Wild West, the old West that you employed bounty hunters. And so you'd get these uh, Islamic people uh, from the nearby territories who would then go looking for him not sending conventional American troops. They were of no use at all. All they can do is bomb. And going back to your comment about living in caves, well, you drop the bombs on the mountainsides, but they don't close the caves down. The mountains are just so tough. We're talking about the the, uh, ceiling of the world, Mm. the roof of the world. Um, So the bombs wouldn't have worked. Um, and didn't work. Some have been lied, you know, people saying, oh, this is a guy who was dying because of kidney complaints and or liver complaints, etc. But he, in fact, lived a, you know, a reasonably long life, um, dying only a few years ago at the time of uh, President Obama and really just caught out by someone who let the cat out of the bag about him. Bearing in mind, he declared war on the United States 20 years ago at the time of President Clinton. So the Americans were after him from the late 1990s. They had no idea it was going to be quite as big a monster as he ultimately turned out to be, but he was already a thorn in the side of the Americans. But he was a good fellow. He would ring his mother every week from his little cave in Afghanistan, and people warned him, look, the Americans can hear you. And it's actually done through Pine Gap in central Australia. So the Australians and the Americans were monitoring his conversations with his mother. Unfortunately, none of the conversations covered operational aspects, probably discussing the children and all that sort of thing, a domestic conversation. And then Clinton tried to get him killed, um, and at that point he suddenly realised that, yes, the Americans and Australians can follow me around, 
listening to my phone calls. So he then became a person who would only send written messages. And some of those written messages were the ones that were intercepted and eventually enabled the Americans to find him in Pakistan at Abbottabad. As I say, literally just down the road from the uh, military academy. You're listening to Global Truths with Dr. Keith Suda. We're talking about the mess that is Afghanistan these days, 17 years on, from the beginning of the war when America, the coalition, Australia and the UK infiltrated it straight after September 11, the Twin Towers, to try and get Osama bin Laden. But the fallout, of course, has been extraordinary. And we're now seeing this completely fractured country, which has probably always been, but lots of bombings by local terrorists against civilians. There is still no stability there. Keith, tell us about Afghanistan today and all the factions that are in, in that country. Well, one faction, obviously, is the Taliban, right? So these were the Islamic scholars led by Mullah Omar, who died a couple of years ago. And they were in power before America went in there. Before America went in there, but received anti-drug money from the Americans because in those days they had a very strict line on drugs, right? So that is still a force. And they th- it looks as though about 60% of Afghanistan is either controlled by the Taliban or contested by the Taliban. So the government might hold it, but the Taliban are rivaling them. And is that the same Taliban we saw 17 years ago? Is it really um, repressive and no televisions, no music, Absolutely. no everything? Yeah, it's an Islamicist political force. So that's one. Second development, of course, has been the election of um, an Afghani government, and they've, they've had a couple, a few elections. No one's had much faith in the electoral process. There is no traditional democracy in Afghanistan. Now, there's no reason to say why you can't have one eventually, but there is no tradition. One of the issues for a democracy is you need to have a national sense of identity. Afghanistan never had that national sense of identity. So um, it's basically, if you look at its history, a buffer zone between the Russian Empire to the north and the British Empire to the south over what was then British India. And so they had a strip of land which they regard as being fairly neutral Uh, but which they needed to maintain order in. But the peoples living in Afghanistan were tribal, as they still remain. You know, I've I've been talking about the Pashtuns. Um, So people put their loyalty to a tribe first. They live in deep valleys. They don't have much connection with people in other valleys. Uh, Transport is difficult. Therefore, you just follow the dictates of your tribe. So you do have a government, but it's not particularly effective and certainly isn't running the country in a way that we could talk about the Australian government or the American government running a country. A third factor is now the Islamic State. Um, So the Islamic State used to be part of Al-Qaeda, but became increasingly vicious in how they went about their campaign, far more vicious than Al-Qaeda. Towards the end of his life, we know that Osama bin Laden was very depressed about the state of his movement because he could see that this Islamic State, being more vicious than his own movement, was actually gaining ground. And, of course, the Islamic State is to be found throughout the Middle East with sections in Africa like Boko Haram. It is forbidden. Boko Haram, uh, education for young girls. And you've got groups down in our corner of the world, in the Philippines and in Malaysia, parts of Indonesia. Um, So the Islamic State is a major player. And you were talking about the two 
major terrorist attacks that took place on April the 30th, where one of them was in fact carried out by the Islamic State. So the Islamic State is also very active and they're playing the race card. They're, they're playing the anti-Shia card. So their target was Shias at the weekend. So it's interesting that you've got Al-Qaeda, which has this sort of pan-Islamic vision of the world being run by one caliph. And you've got Islamic State, who probably do share that overall vision of a one single caliph being a mixture of religious leader and political leader. Um, But they are going about it in a far more vicious way. Now, what is interesting is that there's been a debate in the United States about whether or not the Taliban can be encouraged to join the Afghani government. Now, remember, one of the reasons why Australia went into Afghanistan was to topple the Taliban regime. Now they're suddenly saying, come back, all is forgiven. Do you want to join the government? Because that way, they're hoping that since the Taliban remain major players in Afghanistan, that you could end up with the Taliban coming back in. Now, that's going to be pretty tough on women and girls, but, you know, that's that's the deal that perhaps has to be made. Although there is also a school of thought which says, look, the Taliban will never be involved in a democratic system. That's not their way of thinking. Um, so it's a waste of time hoping to be able to bring the Taliban into this. So that's been a complicating factor. I also have to mention that the Western countries who've gone in there with a, an agenda for economic and social development. So they are trying to educate young girls. Uh, which I, obviously I think is a good idea, but you're alienating, uh, particularly in the rural side, countryside, a lot of conservative Muslims. And so as you try to go in to do good, so you actually end up annoying the locals who don't want to hear about educating girls, etc. Um, so that is another part of the problem. Same with the eradication of the growing of poppy. As you said, Afghanistan is a major supplier of illegal poppy, to the international market. Tasmania, by the way, is the biggest supplier of opium legally to the world's market uh, because it's isolated and subject to careful control. So Tasmania is legal. But we're talking about Afghanistan, which is illegal and a far larger amount going on to the market and causing real problems in Russia, um, coming up through those old Soviet territories, the Islamic territories, and also Iran. So these are countries that would love to see the poppy issue reduced. And, of course, the Americans and the British, etc., also want to see it all reduced. So they've got an agenda to go in there to discourage people from growing opium. The problem is that opium grows very well in Afghanistan. You try to get them growing potatoes or whatever, it's a much harder task. You can do much better out of the sale of opium and you can get, make more money out of it. So in a sense, the military are in there, but they're not really sure what they're trying to do. Are they trying to educate young girls? Very worthy. Are they trying to stop the growing of opium? Again, very worthy. Are they actually there to train the Afghanis um, so they can then look after the country themselves. The problem with that is what what are called the green on blue attacks. So green meaning the national uniform of the Afghani army and blue being the international colour of the uh, soldiers that are operating, including Australians, etc., The problem is that you've got a number of people who are now being recruited into the Afghani force who then kill the foreign advisers Um, because they know at the end of the day those foreign advisers will leave the country, whereas they know they've got to stay, they've got to think about their long-term future, and therefore they want to earn brownie points with the Taliban or Islamic State um, for killing foreigners 
So it, it's a, a, as you said at the beginning of the program, it's a mess. It is, and it doesn't seem to be getting reaching any conclusions anytime soon, Keith. No, not at all. So it's the longest war in, in American history. No signs of the Americans being able to get out. Donald Trump does not want to be remembered as the man who lost Afghanistan any more than Barack Obama did. And so it will go on. Global Truths with Dr Keith Suda is recorded in the studios of Podcast One. Producer is me, Kate Mack. Production assistance by Liv Proud. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. And for more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app.